Good morning and welcome to the Wisdom Seekers class. My name is Stacy Maston and I am going to be teaching today on the topic of waiting. And I realize that Pastor most recently did a, um, a primer on this very topic. Sorry folks, I had already received this topic and I'm telling you, I just spent the week after that trying to find something else to teach on. So I spent my wills like crazy trying to find something else. And isn't that horrible when <laughs> you waste your time? Of course, it, being in the Word is never a waste of time. But I really did. I thought, well, when Pastor covered that in five minutes, he could do better than I do in my, this whole hour, <laughs> as we all know. I mean, he really spoke, you know, very at the essence of what waiting on the Lord is. But, you know, what can you do when you've gone through? I did. I, I mean, in the, and I've done this, I, I still always write down things and ideas and I, you know, I look at them and parse them out and see where they're going to go. And I had about eight other things that I spent the entire day yesterday looking through and studying. And I mean, this thing was just still at the bottom of the list. I thought, okay, I guess I'm just going to have to do this teaching, folks. So, um, sorry for any redundancy that you might feel. Hopefully the Lord will still speak through what we're going to cover today regarding this topic and um, so I appreciate um, any comments that you might bring forth and uh, any further insights I totally appreciate that father I thank you for this topic I do and I pray that you would um, use me to deliver um, the things that you were impressing upon me about it and that it would be a point of edification for the body and um, just helpful as we wait and we um, prepare to go forward into what you have for us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the time we spend waiting with you because there really is an art to that and there really is a significance to what we do when we're waiting upon you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So, as was previously mentioned, we're looking at this Hebrew word um, for wait, which means to bind together by twisting. And so when we discussed this topic of waiting upon the Lord, and there were, I actually don't even remember how many verses there were that discussed this word I did pare it down to the topics that I wanted to cover but this this word means to bind together so when you're waiting upon the Lord you're binding yourself to Yahweh to his plan and you are and that is what is most frequently discussed is waiting upon Yahweh the plan of God and so we're we are really being bound up and intertwined with the father with um, his plan you know we want to be completely um, wrapped up in you know in every sense of the word you know when you're wrapped up in something you can't see anything else you know that's how focused you are and that's really what I feel we have to be a saint must be in order to be a person who can wait for his plan to unfold because we know that God is not in a hurry. I mean, we really like to see the action. 
we want to see results. We want to make sure that that we are that you know all the things that we're working for, we can see some fruit from that, or we can we can feel good about well you know the labor that we have you know invested in something. But the Lord is not really about showing us the fruitfulness, and really since we spend most of our time not feeling that way. So it must not be important to him that we <laughs> we we realize that on a day in and day out basis. So we're going to look at these verses about uh, waiting and some of the topics that surround that you know that atmosphere. Um, the first few verses uh, we have a really interesting uh, heading: the pressing and the piercing and the goading. Now, now who wouldn't run to that? <laughs> Let's get us some pressing and, and piercing and goading while we wait. Uh, Psalm 52, verses 8 and 9, it says, But I am like a green olive tree in the house of Elohim. El <laughs> Elohim. I trust in the mercy of Elohim forever and ever. I will praise thee forever because thou hast done it. And I will wait on thy name, for it is good before thy saints. Waiting in this passage is connected to the name or the purpose of the Lord. Again, we're talking about the plan, the purpose, you know, the, the actual aim and the goal and the intent of God is what we are being uh, bound together with. I found this interesting um, at the beginning of verse 8 that says, I am a green olive tree. Green is a word that means prosperous and flourishing. It also can denote something that is new. But we know what um, the olive tree represents. It represents um, being what is pressed, being something that will produce something, the anointing will produce something else. Um, through that pressing and the process of pressing uh, always includes you know something really tight <laughs> in that what pressing denotes it means you know really being pressed into and confined to a very minute um, position and that pressing really brings the result of righteousness within us that that is a beautiful thing to the Lord but this green olive tree in the house of Elohim the one who loves us the one who is nurturing us and teaching us and training us through his agape and he of course is the one who's also orchestrating the pressing and bringing about that you know to me the pressing also I know that you know this but I'm just trying to, to spit it out folks um, you know, trying to um, to submit to the the essence. You know, you have to degree. You know, well, we've said this a million times because why? It's a verse. Well, you have to decrease. You have to become small. Of course, we know that word is also um, elastos, with, which is to be whatever is necessary for the moment. But but also we know it's just important to be humbled to be submitted to a singular idea 
And, and that's what pressing really means to me. It means it kind of presses out all the extraneous things, all the other things that don't really matter. I mean, yes, you know, the olive is housed in its whatever, and it's, it lives on a tree, and it goes through the process, but all those other things are left behind when you're only left with just the oil. So when you're pressed, all the things that are extraneous to, yes, the place you grew up, the people who raised you, even the house, you know, the house of the Lord that you're in, these are still all extraneous things. And, and you're just looking for the essence of what the Father wants to bring forth in you. And that's what we must be in the house of Elohim. And that's obviously the process you're going to be in if you dwell in the house of Elohim. It says, I trust in the mercy of Elohim. We know mercy being that has said is that intimate commune with our Father in the presence of the angels where he's always giving those directives from his, you know, from that intimate commune. And it really speaks of a covenant partner, someone who has committed themselves to what the Father wants to do. And, and also when it says, that, you know, it's new every morning, which I think we may be looking at a verse like that, but it's new every morning, meaning you must go back for more directives. You're always going to have to go back to be continually line upon line directed down your path because while, you know, <laughs> We like to see the end game. We like to really know what's going to happen. He's more about giving you what you need for your daily walk. And, and that's how, of course, our relationship is built. And that's how, um, of course, we're, we're strengthened. And we, we know what we need to know. That's the thing about communion with the Father. Is he, just, he tells us what we need to know. And that's it. But we have to be those who hear. And we can miss the things we need to know. I mean, there are things he, we need to know that we don't want to hear that. We don't want to submit to that. And that's what that pressing is for. But it says, of course, it's Tob before the saints. This is something the saints are going to be walking in, right? Isaiah eight seventeen, And I will wait upon Yahweh that hides his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. The word um, look is our keynote word, uh, word, kawa, to bind together. So we will look for him. We will, you know, the thing about binding yourself to something, too, is you're completely invested. And when you're looking for something, it means you're waiting it, you're expecting it, and all your hopes are kind of attached to it. But let's look at this other word for wait, and, and you can see I've added a couple of verses that have this other word for wait in it. And it's kind of a fun word. Um, haka, it means to pierce, to carve. I didn't put this word in here, but to entrench, to adhere. And that, that waiting process with the plan of God means that there's going to be some um, piercing going on. You know, there's going to be, uh, God is going to make his mark upon us and within us. And we will be entrenched in his plan. We will adhere to his plan through this process. You know, the process that God takes us through from the beginning, I know there was 
a great anointing and um, this a spiritual move upon us when when he first called us and and that was to create that hunger and to create an established position of desiring him and his plan but from that point it's just been a piercing it's been him completely engraving and entrenching us so that we continue on the path of his plan because you know if you don't become entrenched through that commune within that waiting and being bound to him and and his plan you're going to walk away i mean we've seen evidence of that the minute you take your eyes and you're no longer bound to what God is doing, and that is the apex and the only thing that you are, you are seeking after and the only thing that you want to um, see happen, you're going to walk away because there's nothing about the path that is cozy and fun. Well, that's not true. It's, it's a lot of fun. I'm sorry. We've had a lot of fun in the spirit. But you know what I mean. In those pressing, in those pressing moments, that in itself is not really fun. And, of course, God uses other people to... to um, to facilitate these atmospheres that we have to deal with. So we're not, we, we're dealing with God, but really we like to point at everybody around us because somehow they're at fault for, you know, what I'm dealing with. And if it weren't for them, I could be doing this. And if it wasn't for this, I would be doing that. And I mean, there's just, you know, so you're just always pointing fingers. And of course, who was the person who got the fingers pointed out the most? The leader, because they want someone to blame for what's going wrong. And nothing's going wrong because God is just trying to corral them into the path so that they can fulfill his plan. But if, you're, if you lose sight of that, if you lose sight of Yahweh, then you're going to, <laughs> you're going to go on your merry way and find some strange peace. Um, so let's look at a couple of verses that, that talk about this haka waiting. Isaiah 64.4. And these are pretty signature verses, I think. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, or shama, which is to hear and to obey, nor have they perceived, they haven't expanded the ear to hear, neither have they been able to ra'ah what God is doing, the Elohim, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him, that waiteth for him, that goes through this process. So... And of course, no one, whether you're going through the process or not, or not, have you seen or heard or know what God, God has prepared for you, right? But this really indicates that we're going to find out what it is if we go through this process. When you wait upon the Lord, the things that await us, we are going to see. We're going to ra'ah. We're going to hear. Habakkuk 2.3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but, it, but at the end it shall speak and not lie though it tarry wait for it because it will surely come it will not tarry I think on your sheet because I just added these this morning actually um, I underlined the wrong words so let me be clear about what these words mean and which ones are what right the first tarry uh, the vision will tarry it says that word means to hesitate to be reluctant See, from our perspective, the vision of the Lord is very reluctant to be fulfilled. <laughs> it hesitates. We just feel like it's not. I mean, haven't you just felt in your spirit that something 
was about to break. You're about to hit breakthrough, and what that meant was something was going to change or happen. And it didn't. It is hesitating. It just feels like the Lord gives you that expectancy, but it doesn't happen. Not the way you envisioned it, right? And then you have this second word, which means we have to wait. To wait for it. This is our Hakka word. We have to wait for that vision to be fulfilled. And there's a piercing that occurs. There's an you know, there's a carving of our, you know, I don't know if you want to call that uh, the circumcision of our heart, but I mean, there's some pain involved in waiting for the vision to be uh, fulfilled because, I mean, listen, be, being humbled, being contrite, those are all very um, uncomfortable places, the way you feel when you're actually experiencing those things is just very uncomfortable. When it says, you know, that you're in a tight spot, I mean, that just feels being confined, you're constricted, you can't move, you, you really feel like you can't, you know, express yourself or breathe. There's no anointing. I mean, you know, we're all looking for the, the, the wind to blow and the anointing to come upon us. And, you know, I, I know back in the day when we had a lot of dancing in our house and I was actually young enough to do it. Um, I could always tell the difference between when the Lord was doing something and I guess you could call it the anointing or his spirit was present. Um, but I, it was like on air. You're just bouncing on air. You're, there was no effort that was involved in dancing. But when it wasn't there, it was like you had lead feet. I mean, trying to pick your feet up off the ground. I was like, ugh. I mean, 400 pounds, Right. And, and there really is something to be said for the presence of the Lord. Um, yes, ma'am. Um, yeah, and then the next day when you can't walk. Because <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you <laughs> killed yourself. So. Yeah, it's so funny. Like, where's that air today? <laughs> can't already walk. Um, there, there was something that, that I was praying about, like something serious, um, for months. Well, actually, for several years. And... Uh, you know, just an obedient intercession in warfare, trusting the Lord. And <laughs> I remember being in the sanctuary just in the afternoon by myself, and I went into very spirit-led warfare specifically about this one particular thing that I had been really pleading with the Lord on behalf. And it was like 20 minutes of just nonstop, just just like intercession, um, warfare, and tongues that totally caught me off surprise. I mean, totally caught me. You know, and it just catches you up, and you know that it's so purpose-driven, and it was so focused. And so after, and then all of a sudden, it just went, it just stopped. And I, I just went silent, and I heard the Lord say, it's finished. Yeah. And I can't tell you, I mean, how, I was just... Because, you know, you, you, you don't always hear the audible voice of the Lord, but I heard his voice say to me, it's done. And so I got up and I walked, I walked away, and of course I rejoiced and I praised the Lord, and nothing changed. For like a year, a year and a half, almost two years, nothing changed. In fact, everything about the situation looked like it was going the other direction. And I have to say, just on behalf of the waiting on the Lord, that was the hardest part, you know. The, those that season was the hardest part because it's so tr it tests your faith. Did I hear him? And I knew that I knew that I knew that I heard him. 
But the beautiful thing about the Lord is that he's so faithful. And that one thread of his voice kept me believing. And then he moved. Yeah. <laughs> so there's something just so powerful about this whole principle. No, you're right. And and it's true. I mean, and the thing about the waiting is that it is exactly what it says it is. Yeah, exactly. And it's piercing <laughs> and it's like It's not something else. It's pressing. It's I mean, waiting is is probably one of the hardest things that we do and and people romanticize and don't get me wrong, they romanticize waiting upon the Lord. Is it like you went to a corner and you spent a few moments with the Lord and that was waiting upon the Lord? Yes, it's doing that for two years. Well, you know, whatever, whatever the time period is, it's, you're continually doing that. The waiting upon the Lord, and then it's not when you're just on your face, it's when you get up and you're about your day, that waiting is still there. When everything looks counter to And not only that, when everything looks completely opposite, I mean, you're walking around going, what the heck? This is not looking like this vision's about to come to pass. No, it's hesitating. Why do you hesitate, Lord? Why are you reluctant to fulfill this? And, but, but the thing about being bound to the plan, first is, there is just, I mean, because you've communed with the Father, I mean, it doesn't come by any other way, but you have just put your entire trust in the plan of God being fulfilled. That's it. And it doesn't matter what the result of the plan of God is because the result will be better than the way you saw it anyway. But he will do it. And, it, and, and that's the thing. If you can accept, if you can accept the way God does something, I mean, I'm telling you, you're golden because that is a humility and a submission that is priceless. It is, it is truly that vein of gold that holds everything. It's so priceless. No, there's so few people who truly find the essence of understanding how to accept the plan of God and, and not go wills off. You had to accept the timing of his plan. And that's the same thing. I mean, you're still just trusting in the plan. And, and, and by doing that, you're fulfilling the plan of God on the road to that fulfillment. I mean, there is such a, a journey and a development that occurs within us that is so untouchable. We cannot describe what God is doing in our hearts and what he's doing in our spirits in those years and those moments where we have just that day I'm trusting today and I'm going to go forward and the next day okay I'm going to come to you I'm going to wait upon you today and I'm just going to go forward and those things that he hones within us are 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 what make us really the son that he can trust with his glory and it, it went, and, and you know what? I do care about his glory, but I don't care about his glory. That is not why I'm doing this. You know, there are results. There are things that God is going to do on behalf of our intercession and the way that we have taken a stand for righteousness. But those, and they're all good. And people coming into sonship, I mean, there's no greater joy than to see someone else light bulb go off over their head. And you're just like, oh my God, they get it. And it's not because you did something. It's not because it makes you look good. It's because you go, oh, my God, they've got a chance. They know what the purpose and plan of God is. That means, you know, they can know what I've known. There's, I mean, that to me is what I want for my children. It's not because I need to be on the worship team or, you know, to be some major person. I just want them to know what I know. There is nothing better than knowing the Father. There's nothing more complete. There's no more confidence. There's, no, there's nothing else that fulfills like this one thing. And that, to me, is what, 
waiting upon the Lord has fulfilled in me and in you. So let's go to Psalm 25. Oh, I'm sorry. And the last Terry means that it will not loiter or be behind. So though it, though it, it appears to be reluctant, it appears to um, hesitate, it won't be behind schedule. It's going to come exactly when the plan of God um, designed for it to. Uh, he just didn't let us in on that timetable. <coughs> so Psalm 25, uh, verses 1 through 22, and it's not, there's, I've taken some verses out to shorten this a little bit. And so just pay attention. You know, I, I, think, I think with what we were entrusted to do as the saints' church, uh, you can really see how patience manifests itself as the first sign of any apostolic venture. Because, you know, and, and really then, prophetically, if you prophesy these things, and God has you as a pioneer with him, like Abram. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. And Abram believes, and that's righteousness, and you become a friend of God. Well, how many years went on before? Why didn't God, you know, you think about it. Why didn't God say, okay, Abram, I'm going to do this in three years later? That would have been long, but it, it would have been brief. And I think that's the deal, like, if you prophesy that God's going to do this and it goes on forever, I mean, that's when you really have to die. You have to die yourself. And you have to die to all the naysayers around you saying, man, you sure missed it. Everybody else is doing this stuff. You're still hanging on to this nonsense. And so that's where you, you either give up or you kind of drift along in the doldrums or you're pretending you're believing that you really don't believe it. You just have said so many things that would look bad if you turned from it. Or you press into the Lord and you, you find your solace in Him knowing that He's going to do this stuff. And as we enter into this month of the prophet and the year of the prophet, I mean, I, I think that's really important because, man, you, you know, how many people have jumped ship because this word that God gave didn't happen and materialize in the way they thought. Or they had evangelistic giftings and they got so fancy they're used to shifting things every two or three years and finally they've had enough. Or somebody else is offering, you know, let's go with this because this is the main flow in the country. Or this new ministry is propped up and man, look at the listen to that stuff they've got going. So this waiting is at the heart of any kind of apostolic thing. And the key is Press into the Lord and let Him form you. But anybody that's doing any kind of apostolic thing, or anybody that's at the forefront of a movement, you, you have to know that when you say God's doing this and He's drawing it into you and making it clear, you're going to look like an imbecile. You just have to know that. Because everybody's going to think you're nuts. And they're going to call you that. And they're going to abandon. And they're going to drop away. And that's painful. And if you really have to die, that's really where the prophetic dying is. It's not whether people are saying, oh, look how great you are. It's that people are saying, look how screwy you are. And you've got to die for that. Um, but I think, don't you think that, I mean, you think about the last 20-something 20 20 years, to me the fulfillment's in the function. It's like with God, it's about the journey. And you think about 
the things that have been accomplished in the last 23 years through the saints, through our intercession. Because to me, it's like what God was requiring of me was to intercede. And <laughs> he's looking for a partner. He's looking for one that will intercede. And so I just think about the multitudes of things that have been fulfilled over the timeline that we've been functioning, that if, if God had brought the promise a year after it had been spoken, it wouldn't. Yeah. Who, what would we have accomplished? I mean, we could have already dwindled by now. We could have been the, the, you know, the latest great thing. And so I just, I'm so thankful for the pathway, for the journey, and for the function that he's, that he's brought us into. But you know, the, the, the problem is you see that now, you wouldn't have seen it then in the beginning. But aren't we so thankful right. that we can teach But that. in the beginning, you're just yeah. look, you think, oh, did you not feel ready? No, 20 years ago, we totally were ready. So because that's how that's how we were still in ourselves. Yeah. But just a revelation alone that came to the intercession and no, the, yeah. the mysteries. Oh my gosh. No, it's that's our treasure. It has been it is I mean, who who could have done it better? It couldn't have been done better. And the way that he orchestrated every step of our development to bring us to this place so that we could know what you just said. Yeah. Because uh we were by no means ready, but I can tell you that when we were bouncing around on that stage, we all thought we were ready for the Brownsville Revival. We, that's just what we thought we were. And, and I'm so glad it wasn't that. You know, I'm so glad it wasn't. I got, that was already done. And that was a tremendous blessing that changed all of our lives. So I bless that work and I bless what God did through those people who pressed through the things that they had to go through in order to see that come to pass. But our walk is different, and I'm thankful. I'm just thankful for the path because uh, with every step, you know, the path has been prepared for my next step. And then that path, that part of the path is prepared. And that, you, you know, you can look at the path and say it's prepared, but what it is, it's what's in me that has been prepared for the next step. Okay, moving right along. Thank you for your comments. Unto thee, O Yahweh, do I lift up my soul. <laughs> Okay, this is something we need to know. In the waiting, the soul is pretty, uh, pretty heavily involved with the waiting. That's, the, that's really the tug of war that you've got because your soul, uh, which is the breathing thing, you're going to either breathe after the purpose of God or you're going to breathe after what's going on in the world. So we have always that choice in our soul where we are in our mind deciding you know, how we're going to play this out. I mean, I know that pastors talked about the heart being the steering wheel, but before the steering wheel can take control, your soul is making decisions. And you are saying, I'm going to follow after the world, which of course takes you down the wrong path. Or when you begin to breathe after the purpose of God, then you have submitted your mind to the thing of the spirit so that you can move forward. And it says, oh, my Elohim, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed or disappointed or confounded. Because that's what ashamed does. It brings disappointment. It makes you confounded. Why has this happened? Let not mine enemies triumph over me. I feel this in our country right now. I feel like, don't let our enemies triumph over us, God. Let me not, oh, I'm sorry. Yea, let none that wait upon thee be ashamed or disappointed. 
But let them be ashamed. Let their plans be disappointed, which transgress without cause. Show me your ways, Yahweh. That's Yada. God wants to talk to you about his ways. This, this Yada, as Pastor has spoken on um, frequently, is really talking about your relational conversation, um, the thing that he communes with you about. He will be communi communing with you about his ways to teach you his ways that regard his plan. Teach. I like this. This is where this word um, that we are looking at uh, that means to goad, to instruct with the rod. Teach me your paths. <laughs> okay. I don't know about you, but I don't know that I've really ever seen this word before. Now, I'm sure that I have because I'm always looking up stuff, but I can't remember that I took the lights off my tree last year. We know that my memory doesn't go for a year. <laughs> so, to goad. The teaching that is happening here between you and the Father is a goading. He's instructing with the rod. He's not necessarily hitting you with the rod as much as he's kind of like you would a sheep or a cow that you want to shear or a, cow, a sheep that you want to shear or a cow that you want to brand. What they do is they've got these shoots that they, that they um, try to lead their animals into so that they're confined in this little place so that they can do what they need to do with them without having to hold them down or they won't get kicked or hurt. And they're, they're, they're all led through this prodding process. You know, they're urging him a certain direction. And when it says, teach me your path, that's what I feel like sometimes. I feel like God prods us into a direction that we don't really want to go. I mean, he's trying to get us to go someplace that we're thinking, I don't want to get sheared in there. You know, I'm not really wanting the hot iron today. Uh, of course, the calves that they're, they're doing don't know anything about the hot iron. They just know, yeah, you're taking them away from my mommy, and you're wanting to put me down this little narrow path. I know, thank you. So they're always, oh, my gosh, all the screaming, the hollering, and the running, and the trying to get away. But no, they're goaded and prodded until they finally make it into this chute, which is a very narrow place that they have to follow that path. There's no other way. I think that God does that to us sometimes. He makes our path narrow so narrow that we can't go anywhere else. There's, you have no strength or ingenuity to change your path. I don't think it's always that way, but I think there's sometimes when we may be struggling with our path, the Lord has to prod us to that place so that we'll stay on it, so it'll be a sure thing. But that's, that's the way I see goading and the teaching me of your paths. Lead me in your truth. We know what truth is. I don't have to uh, spell it out for you. And teach me again with the goading. Uh, it's a very strong urging of the Father. So uh, I don't know how a pastor feels about uh, receiving revelation. <clears throat> Sometimes I'm sure he doesn't ever feel like he was goaded into it, but I know that the Father puts him in places so that he will receive the truth, so that he will see that revelation and he will bring forth something that was hidden into the light. Um, you are the Elohim of my salvation on thee do I wait all the day. So Elohim, our salvation, the heart of God that saves us, the heart of God that is always calling us, drawing us near, that love, that relationship, that devotion, 
That is the place where we hide ourselves in, he in him to wait. We absolutely must you know, keep those agape flames burning so brightly, that passion that you know, we're, con we're continually drawn to that place of being with Elohim and waiting with him for the fulfillment of the plan of God. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way, again, with the goading. We know that the meek are those that are submitted to the timing of God. And they've become submitted through these processes that we've been talking about. It is training that is very intense training that is orchestrated by the Father. And it brings humility and it brings obedience through those things that we suffer, like Jesus, who learned obedience through the things that he suffered. We learn this submission, we learn this point of obedience because of the training, because of the process, of the waiting. Um, the dying to self that was spoken of earlier, um, this is how the meek are developed. And he will guide the meek in judgment. What is that? The visitation of his will. It is the intent of his heart being fulfilled. And the meek will he goad his way. He will. All the paths of Yahweh are mercy and truth. We've spoken about mercy. And such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. This keep is not um, shamar. But it means a very similar thing. It means to preserve or to maintain the covenant. So the paths of the plan of God involve meeting with uh, the Father um, every single day to receive um, the directives of purpose that he wants to share with us every day and to also uncover those hidden things. And... and um, and then we are responsible to keep this covenant that we've made and these testimonies that he's given through our dying. For thy name's sake, O Yahweh, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. What man is he that fears Yahweh? Him shall he yarar, or yara, sorry, yara, teach in the way that he shall choose. In this, in this respect, Yahweh is going to point the way. So there are different ways that the Father teaches us. He's got some prodding. And he, sometimes he's just pointing the way, and the way he's teaching it, it flows like rain, and it is just a continual flow of, of um, direction and uh, teaching, uh, not direction, but I would say instruction is probably more like it. Um, and and he's doing this so that uh, we know the way that we should choose. We're going to be maturing and coming to places where we actually have to choose. I think maybe the goading, maybe earlier in our development, where we really didn't know how to see the purpose of the Lord and choose it. But now I feel like he tells us and he points the way, and we're, we're in a position where we can actually choose the right path. I hadn't seen that before, and I'm not saying that that's the truth, but I like it. I like the difference. His soul shall dwell at ease. He will, now, this is an interesting word, this word dwell. It does mean to abide, and is mainly used that way. But during the period of when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, 
This word is used every single time to say that they murmured. So that means they, ab they abode in a place of murmuring and bitterness. Ouch. <laughs> I think that is so interesting because you know what? When you start down the path of bitterness, it can be something that you can't get out of. It's something that you abide in. You dwell in it. You, you mull over it. You consider it. You're just all the things you're thinking and doing are all about, you know, all the ways that God has done you wrong or, or, or the leader, you know, whoever it is. And it can be anyone. It can be, it can be the circumstance. But when you get into that place of bitterness, it can be a place of abiding. Certainly for them, it lasted for 40 years. So I would say don't spend a whole lot of time there. Don't make staying and being stubborn your abode. And his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of Yahweh is with them that fear him, and he will yada them his covenant. So the secret or the intimate consultation with the with Father as he's bringing about and discussing with you his plan. He's going to discuss with you... Um, his covenant let integrity and uprightness preserve me for I will wait on thee Hallelujah. took me a, a bit of a time to get through that first page <laughs> it's so funny you know, when you're preparing these you think you're just going to slip right through this and you hope you can fill up an hour <laughs> <laughs> the meek inherit the earth you'll notice that there really is a connection of meekness with waiting. Psalm 37, verses 7 through 11. Rest in Yahweh and wait patiently for him. I'm going to stop there just for a second and talk about a couple of these things. Rest meaning to be silent. Sometimes when you're <clears throat> discussing with the Father his plan, you just need to be silent. You need to rest in what he is saying. And sometimes there's actually nothing being discussed. He ain't telling you nothing, and you don't need to be telling him what your plans are or what his plans need to be. So there's just a silence before him. To me, this also just denotes a submission and a humility that, that comes through, to me, a maturity in the relationship that, that you have developed with him, and you know that you're just being with him. It's not about his plan. It's not about, you know, the next thing you've got to do. He's not giving you the directive from on high. You know, you're just with him. And you're resting in that. Wait patiently here is chul. Isn't that interesting? And we know that to be the creative cycle of God's ways. The chul is really speaking of the ways of God, the processes that we continually walk in. It's the seasons of the Lord, the transitions and the change that must happen. A circle of change. And and I can't remember if this came out when we were discussing the circumcision of the heart in Gilgal. Monica, do you remember if that was when this passage? We, yeah. No, you wrote that book on the chul. And I know that we went through a season of the circumcision in Gilgal and all that. Was it along the same lines because the circle and all that? So, you know, here we are. We're talking about, you know, this restoration only comes through the dying to self. I mean, you're only going to have life if you're willing to die, right? And so, again, we come into this place of, um, of contrition and, and continuing to submit yourself to the Lord. So 
it is, is really in keeping with the, the previous verses that we were discussing. But let's, I wanted to separate this from the next, pa this next part of this passage because, again, this really talks to me about what I feel about our nation and what we have seen this year, which has really been unique, yep. if you wouldn't agree with me on that. It's been very unique. Fret not yourself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon Yahweh, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Thou, you shall diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. I really love this verse. I really wanted to make this my signature verse because I was just, I don't know, when I, you know, sometimes when you first read something, how it just immediately makes an impression upon you. And, and those were my immediate thoughts were, my God, you know, these are declarations I really want to make in my intercession about our nation, you know, that we stand upon the promises of the Lord and the wicked will not prevail against us. You know, it looks like the enemy is prospering. You know, it looks like that they're, their, their plans are being fulfilled and that their wicked devices are coming to pass. But we can't be angry about it. We can't enter into wrath or, or, or any kind of raw, you know, where you, you partner with the enemy. Um, all that's going to be cut off because the plan of God is going to be, be fulfilled. And I'm telling you, whether the enemy and his, his immediate plan comes to pass or not, meaning, you know, the way things are looking right now, that is not the issue because the plan of God will be fulfilled. And apparently, if that happens, it is a part of the plan. God has a plan. It is to bring restoration, but sometimes you've got to go through the wilderness. You've got to take a turn around in, in the place, the dry place that you don't want to go in order for there to be restoration and fulfillment for the promise to be realized. So it doesn't matter how it works out when this is all said and done. We, we just wait upon the plan of God and we know in that process we become weak. We become, we become, we become weak. We wait and we weak. <laughs> we, if we wait, we become meek. And um, the meat inherit the earth. And we're, there'll be an abundance of peace. There'll be an abundance of successful assignments. We'll be, con you know, we'll be continually going forward and doing the God, God's will. And we will have an abundance of peace. Abundant fulfillment. Um, I love that. I want to look at diligently consider. I think I put that on your sheet because I found it really interesting um, that we should diligently consider the enemy. And this is a word, Ben, that um, it means to separate mentally, to possess understanding. And it comes from the root word Ben, meaning to discern between two factors, good and evil. Okay. Is this where we are? Are we in a position where we have to be able to discern between good and evil? <laughs> yes, absolutely. It may feel at times that we are in the middle of light and dark. Understanding has, it may feel like, I love that, it may feel like, well, it does feel like <laughs> that 
we are in the middle of a battle between light and dark. Understanding has more to do with grasp and obey as opposed to having all the answers. Are you with me? We don't have a lot of the answers, do we? Not even close to being all the answers. We don't have a lot of answers. And that's okay. It stems from the word for son, the Hebrew word ben. So we know that this understanding can be given to a son that is entrusted by the father to represent him when facing opposition in any situation. To not be deceived and to know what the assignment is. See, I love this definition because it defines who we have had to be this year. This is so good. I mean, we should take this Psalm 37 and just break it because this is such a command for us. It is. I read Maybe. that and it was just, I was just like going. Yeah, because you wait silently for his plan while you also bind yourself and chewel. So you partner in his ways and the perfection of his ways. And then all these things, fret not. Cease from anger, forsake wrath, fret. I mean, it's like these should be just lined out. This is a continual reminder for us. How do we ever doubt? I know. I mean, you read that and you think, how can we ever doubt? I know. And, and look at um, what I, I wrote here, but I'm not even right. It came from the Line Upon a Line book. I took some excerpts, excerpts out from that. But you have to know that this definition came straight out of a pastor's book. So um, I don't know which one. I didn't look that up, but, um, but yeah. King Solomon also asked for this type of understanding so that he could discern between good and evil and to be able to judge and to stand for what God is, is saying. And, you know, we uh, think about it. You know, in your dealings with other people, regardless of whether or not you say anything or not to defend your position, you are not changing your position when you hear all of the, the um, opinions that have been broadcast for an entire year. And there are many opinions. But we, we know how to judge between good and evil. We know when we see something what it represents. It's not even a, I don't know about you guys, but it, seriously, there's not even a question. I just know when something is coming that is absolutely evil and, and then to be able to judge in that moment for myself and then I take a stand for what I know. I don't, I may not give my opinion. I often don't. That is the most often, you know, position I take is I don't appear to have an opinion. But it's not my job to argue with a bunch of people because I can tell with the division that is occurring and it is so, um, it's so staunch. I mean, a line has been drawn in the sand and people are taking positions. And that, it's not that we have taken a position for righteousness. I mean, there are people who have taken an opposite position. <laughs> I mean, for real. <laughs> And so you feel that antagonistic um, atmosphere, the confrontation. They want the confrontation. They want the debate. They want the argument. And I just don't give it to them. I mean, I just don't see the point in, in wasting my breath. The Spirit of God can only touch them, and that is my prayer, that they are changed through um, something the Father does through their lives or, and through our, our prayers. Stacy, it's almost as if even if you gave your thought it's like fueling oh yeah it just gives them more arguments you know so it's like why yeah why why give that no it does yeah. you're right and so let's go to the night watches isaiah 26 verses 8 and 9 
Now, I'm sure that many of you are experiencing um, some visitation <laughs> visitation in the night when the Lord may be waking you up to pray. So let's look at this. Yea, in the way of thy judgments, O Yahweh, have we waited for thee. The desire of our soul is to thy name and to the remembrance of thee. With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, I love this last part. I want you to, to meditate on this. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. See, so let's go back to the top. What is this about? It's about praying at night. It's about meeting with the Father and interceding at night. What are we considering? We're considering the way of his judgments. What are his judgments? The visitation of his will upon the earth. So what we're meditating upon in the night in an intercession has to be addressing this, in, at least in part, because it says this is what is going on. We desire the desire of our soul. So we have set our, our breathing passionate mechanism upon seeking God at night. And I don't know about you, but this was a hard one for me. Okay? But this is, our soul has to be completely at rest with this and not contend with this. Me? Uh, yes, I was completely contending with the whole waking up at night thing. I did not want to do that. I thought nighttime was for sleeping. That's what I'd always been told. I'd become very accustomed to sleeping at night. And if there was one thing in the whole earth that I coveted, it was my sleep. So imagine when God started dealing with that covetedness. He did. He just got right in the middle of it. <laughs> and eight years ago, he started waking me up to pray at night. So instead of, you know, the two hours every day, it was in the night hours. And it, it was, it's been a, a really difficult um, adjustment for me. Now it just is what it is. I mean, it's eight years. I'm going on my eighth year. But now he's waking me up at other times, too. I don't know, I'm just really wondering, do I just stay up at night and pray and then sleep during the day? I mean, what are you saying? <laughs> but here it says that our spirit then will seek him early. So why is our soul in the night, in our spirit, in the early hours. I don't know, but we do know that the Father is certainly using us in our intercession, and it has to do with his judgment, his mishpat, which is talking about that visitation of his will upon whatever, a person, a place, um, a nation. But when we are partnered with him in this way, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. That's like, and it's just a done deal. It, it's there. I love this. When thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. I just love that. I'm going to skip Isaiah 40. Y'all are very familiar with that. Um, passage I will just I will just speak on one issue when it talks about they that wait upon Yahweh shall renew their strength and that word for strength is koach 
I'll read the definition to you because I don't think I gave it to you. It means the capacity to endure as a stone. It might be equated with the ability to cope with situations and to have spiritual adaptability. It speaks of someone with the ability to process experiences and deduce facts from practices and has gleaned a measure of expertise. These are the attributes of a prophet who judges insights in order to arrive at the word from God. Do you know that all the things that I just discussed go into the, to everything that we perceive? All of our experiences, everything that we have learned, all these things that are in our daily walk from the time that we first breathe air are a part of the way that we come about with the Word of God. Because regardless of how He tells us, we still have to perceive it, and we, you know, it goes through the process of how, how we see the Word. Just like in the beginning when it says we'd be like Brownsville, we all thought what, how His visitation was going to look was going to look just like that. Because why? Because that was our experience. That was what we experienced God doing. That was the way he was going to move, right? I mean, how do you not ignore the experiences you've had in God? You, you go forward and you don't know that the next time you're going to have to walk around Jericho seven times. You don't know the next time, you know, you can go on and you're going to go into a city and they're going to let down a red scarlet, you know, um, ribbon. You don't know what you're going to encounter and they're always going to defy your experience, but your experience is always going to be a part of your perspective. And so what it has to happen with that? It has to be submitted. It has to, has to go through the process so that you're able to judge through um, uh, righteous eyes, as it were. Um, but this co-op still says, you know, this, this particular point of um, strength is something that has to do with how God made us. Because, listen, the way you grew up is the way God ordained for you to grow up. There are reasons why you have the experiences you have. Because that is what the things you take into account. It's not always a bad thing to have those experiences as part of your process. Um, the right hand of God is described as being glorious in Koak. The right hand of God is prophetic in nature and declares the things that God will do. How God formed the earth and populated it was done by his voice. The Koak power is equated with the prophetic declaration of God concerning what he envisioned and ordained. So in these times where there's weariness and there's, there's opportunities for fainting. <laughs> and uh, I'm sorry, but I do have to tell you this, and I'm wasting precious moments here to, to share this, but um, the thing about being weary is it means to gasp for breath. And I'm telling you, as soon as I read that definition, I thought of Barbara Baker at the top of the choir steps. Well, after she'd gone up the stairs in the, in the stairwell, she'd get to the top, she'd go, <gasps> she did that every single time. Every, every single time. <laughs> so when it said that you're weary, you would gasp for breath. That was the middle picture that came to my mind was Barbara Baker. <laughs> and so, so we know that God is never weary, so he never takes a gasp for breath like that. But, you know, we have a tendency to because we're in our, we're in our bodies and we, we do weary and we tire. But the Lord is going to strengthen us, and he's going to give us this ability to prophesy and to, to uh, partner with him in fulfilling his plan through this co-op process. Lordy mighty, it is now 10 o'clock. Let me just say for the next few verses, we're talking about Adonai, that placement and assignment, and it's attached to hope. 
So, you know, what God has called you to do um, and your assignment, I mean, that, the hope itself, we know, of course, is that root of faith that El placed in you and deposited within you. But what is that root of faith? What is faith then? We know it's what God tells us at the right hand, right? It's that relational commune where he's talking to you about what your what position and your assignment is and your daily task. He's talking to you about these things. So that point of faith is really that anchor, right? That burden that you accept, that burden of hope that you accept, which is your assignment. This is who I'm called to be. It is given to you by Adonai, and it is really attached to the hope. And, of course, that's how we wait upon God is with that hope within us and trusting in that hope. Um, wow. Oh, oh, my gosh, this last part. Look at, look at verse 6. My soul waits for Adonai more than they that watch for the morning. That does not say that. The words in Hebrew are nepesh, my soul. So my soul's involved here. So is Adonai. Adonai's involved. Um, Shamar, which is what? Hedging about and protecting and guarding over. And um, Boker, which is the morning, the breaking of the day. Those are the words. There's, there's no more than they. There's, you know, there's no weighted here. I don't know how they came up with this phrase. But just know that your soul is involved. <laughs> Adonai is involved, and you are watching, you are guarding over and anticipating the breaking of the new day. That's it. Oh my gosh, these are so good. Um, but let's just go to the last one. Oh my gosh, listen, salvation is near. I love those because they really are a declaration for today. Um, but let's go to the very last one. Isaiah 25, 9, it shall be said in that day, this is our Elohim. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is Yahweh. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Um, yeah, we have to wait upon the Lord. We have to wait upon his plan to be fulfilled within us and within our nation. You know, it's, it's a much bigger... Um, it's a much bigger thing for us because as saints, we are looking for the nations to come to um, the knowledge of God, and we want to do that through our message of sonship for sure. But even for those who don't hear our message, we're wanting salvation to come to the lost, aren't we? We're wanting for people to be saved and come to the knowledge of God in the nations. And this is what we hope and believe for, our salvation um, and so that we can be glad and rejoice. Anyway, I appreciate your comments and your participation and your rapt attention. Um, and I thank the Lord for this word. Father, thank you for um, this morning uh, and our time together. Thank you for um, the precious insights that we gleaned through this study. And we just thank you for your presence and our, our, our precious relationship with you, which has made all of this possible. We praise you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.